This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Talking Reds baseball today, this Thursday, the 25th of January, with Mark Sheldon, our Reds reporter for MLB.com. Mark, we thank you for the time, and uh, as we speak right now, you're on your way to the Reds caravan, which goes uh, all throughout the weekend. We're going to get your thoughts on that and uh, what the fans should look uh, forward to uh, this weekend in Cincy. But I want to start off by talking about the Hall of Fame votes. Uh, which just occurred last night, uh, Wednesday, as uh, four players voted in by the BBWAA, uh, Chipper Jones, Vlad Guerrero, Jim Tomei, and Trevor Hoffman. One guy that was uh, not voted in, uh, to the dismay of Reds fans in particular, obviously, uh, Scott Rowland. And uh, this is where I kind of want to start today, Mark, with you. Uh, Rowland received just over 10% of the vote. And for guys that, uh, you know, and fans and media alike that followed this guy's career, those numbers really don't make sense uh, for a guy that had multiple gold gloves, a guy that was uh, a defensive stalwart for so many years, and a guy that, oh, by the way, could hit it pretty well, too. Uh, you know, his numbers compare so favorably to many guys already enshrined in Cooperstown at the third base position. So let me get your opinion. You know, whether or not you think Scott Rowland is a Hall of Famer, I think that's kind of irrelevant right now. What I want to focus on is why so little support? Why just 10% for a guy that for so many years was one of the best players in baseball, Mark? Yeah, I, I think part of it is that Rowland, while he checked off the boxes for uh, gold gloves and all-star games, he was a, a winner of a World Series in 2006 with the Cardinals. He also just didn't have all those really great sexy stats that a lot of people want to see. He had just over 2,000 hits. He had somewhere in the 300 home run range. Um, he never won an MVP. Those are things that I think a lot of writers and voters look to check off on certain boxes when they're, when they're doing that. And I, I think some people miss it. I was watching MLB Network, actually, and Mark DeRosa made a comment that when he was playing against Scott Rowland, he never thought of him on the field as a Hall of Fame guy in, in, the, in the making. But then when he looked at all his numbers and, and what he did over his career, he's like, oh, wow, this guy actually should be a Hall of Famer. And I, and I definitely think he is. He definitely fits in the, into the borderline category in a lot of ways, but I, I think he's on the good side of the border and, and should get a, a closer look. And I think 10%, I was a little surprised it was that low. But then again, there are so many people clogged up on the ballot right now and that people are just trying to get those that really belong in the Hall of Fame out of the way and then and then move on and I think Roland's numbers could pick up momentum but 10% to 75% is a huge mountain to climb and I, I you know I don't think it looks very good for him right now. Yeah, unfortunately uh, it does not. And one thing I want to uh, touch on with uh, with you about is that maybe I'm looking at this a little bit too, you know, literally, but it's called the Hall of Fame and if you take the fame component it, you know, that speaks to guys that were not only productive on the field but but had again the, the fame quality as somebody that was, you know, a recognizable star, a guy that, you know, uh, maybe put, as the saying goes, butts in seats, a guy that would, you know, be the lead highlight on Sports Center, 
whatever the case may be, there's a lot of different aspects to that. And maybe Scott Rowland didn't have those attributes because, you know, you relay that quote from Mark DeRosa saying that you never felt like you were in the presence of a, of a, of a famous or, or truly great player when you were on the field with him. But when you take a step back and look at the compilation of the stats, you start to realize, hey, maybe this guy does belong in Cooperstown. But getting back to my original point, did, did that part of it hurt him where, again, he didn't have that fame component like a Chipper Jones, you know, like a Vlad Guerrero, and maybe that did hurt him in the eyes of some voters? Yeah, maybe. Scott was a very workmanlike guy uh, when he came to the Reds. He's obviously at the end of his career. His best years were not with Cincinnati. They were with St. Louis and Philadelphia and Toronto. Uh, but when he was there in Cincinnati, he was a guy that everyone looked to that led by example. He was not your rah-rah guy, but he could send a message with his words, with just a look. And the way he behaved influenced other Reds in the clubhouse including Joey Votto, Jay Bruce, and, and, and Zach Cozart. And he, ca- he carried a long shadow. And, and when you look at things that, that happened, he was a winner. Uh, you know, of the average of the third basemen that are in the Hall of Fame right now, their average war is 67, and Scott Rowland has a 70 war. Right. That says that he's, he belongs in the conversation. He has a better uh, overall war than Ron Santo, who was uh, elected to the Hall of Fame via the Veterans Committee a couple of years ago. Uh, that, that says that he's in the conversation now, Chipper Jones obviously is a third baseman of exceptional quality, mostly for his offense. Scott Rowland is arguably the best defensive third baseman of his era, uh, and he was excelling at that throughout his career. Whether he was here, I think if he didn't have so many shoulder problems, he, he wouldn't be a borderline Hall of Famer. He'd be an instant Hall of Famer. But I think uh, we'll see if he can get closer. But I have a feeling he's going to be the kind of guy that gets better looks at the Veterans Committee. Yeah, I certainly agree. And when you look at the class of uh, 2019, uh, you know, a year from now, there there are, in the eyes of many, you know, two shoe-ins. They're going to be Mariano Rivera and the late uh, Roy Halladay. But do you think, I mean, do you think that it's going to come to that point with Roland where, you know, he's going to have to wait to be voted in by the Veterans Committee one day? Or do you think that even though the numbers are so low right now, that once, you know, we've cleared four guys off the ballot that are all deserving, okay, so they're in, and there's going to be some other marquee names that come on the ballot in, you know, in future years, obviously. But having said all that, do you still think that Roland is going to experience something of a significant climb because of the, the numbers you just brought up? His career war is right there with guys already enshrined. Well, as you know, the, the, voter, the voters of the BBWA, of which I'm, I'm a BBWA member, but I'm not a voter for the Hall of Fame yet, but... The electorate does change, and I think the newer guys that are coming in look at things like war and, and other other non-mainline statistics. They look at a lot more advanced statistics, and I think that's an area where Roland could could excel. And, and when, when people that are the, uh, the StatCast slash Shaws slash Sabermetric uh, generation start taking a closer look at that information, it could boost his candidacy over the, you know, some of the older guys in the electorate. However, at the same time, it's, it's, it's really hard to, to make that jump. And, and right now, there's, we're in the middle of a glut where there's, there's only 10 spaces. I know a, a few voters that have outright said if they had room for 14 guys, they would put 14 guys on there, and maybe Roland would make it. And mm-hmm. I think going forward, there's just going to be more names added when you know, Derek Jeter shows up on the ballot and, and, and like so on. There's, there's so many great players that have, are in this era right now. Scott Rowland might always be the, the 11th guy on a lot of people's ballots and not necessarily one of the top 10, and that's going to hurt him. 10% says there's a chance that he could fall off the ballot in a few years if he doesn't gain momentum. I'm, I'm still shocked that a guy like Johan Santana, while maybe not a Hall of Famer or a great pitcher, 
he doesn't even get on the ballot for yeah. next year. He's a one and done. And I don't think that'll happen to Roland, but he's certainly in that in that uh, in that area code along with Andrew Jones, another guy who deserves some longer consideration. So I think hopefully the, for for Roland and for guys like Jones, the, the more years you get away from it, you can see how great their careers were. Yeah, definitely. And you brought up Johan Santana. That was one player that shocked me, a guy that, uh, you know, for a period of three years between 04 and 06, he was the best pitcher in baseball. It wasn't Pedro. It wasn't Randy Johnson. It was Johan Santana. The guy won two Cy Youngs, had a top three finish in between, won and done on the ballot. That was really stunning. And uh, hopefully Roland hangs on and we'll see what kind of progress, if any, if any he makes uh, in future years. To kind of wrap up the Hall of Fame discussion, uh, the four guys that did get in, uh, agree with all those. What are your thoughts on that class? Oh, definitely. I, I, I don't think uh, the writers got it wrong. I think all those guys are certainly Hall of Famers. I would have thrown Edgar Martinez in there probably. Mm-hmm. I, I, being not a voter, I don't give it the, the deep crunch of, of uh, numbers crunching and looking like I might have for other guys, uh, for other situations like MVP or something like that. But, I mean, I, I Vlad Guerrero, not only could he hit anything that came near you know, near him or not near him, I remember seeing him reach way out of the strike zone and way down and away to get a ball and get hit or home runs. He's got a rifle gun. Jim Tomey just did it all, no matter where he was. He had over 600 home runs. Certainly, um, Chipper Jones, easy easy choice. And, and then you got Trevor Hoffman. Some people don't think you know relievers belong or closers belong in the saves the bogus statistic, but there is something to that. You can't discount a guy for doing his job, and he did his job very well. He was the best that did it for many many years. Him and Mariano Rivera are, are the standard bearers of what you consider you know the closer. Uh, obviously, Rich Gossage is in the Hall of Fame already, and I don't see any reason why someone like Trevor Hoffman, who may, may have done it better than Gossage, shouldn't be in there. Yeah, I, I think you can't find any uh, arguments with any of the four guys, and I'm with you. I think Edgar Martinez should have been uh, the fifth guy this year. Didn't happen for Emart just yet, but uh, hopefully in his uh, final year on the BBWAA ballot next year, Edgar uh, finally gets the call to the Hall. Well, Mark, as we come down the home stretch here, you are on your way to the uh, Reds Caravan this weekend. Uh, for fans that are attending or thinking of attending, what uh, should they expect? Yeah, it's pretty cool. This is uh, They've been doing this for years. Really, the, the way they're doing it now is kind of the format of the last 12 years. They have four buses that, that spread out over five states. I'm going to Columbus right now to join the northern leg. I'm, I'm cherry-picking a stop at, uh, just outside of Columbus where Amir Garrett, uh, is the, one of the players that will be there, and GM Dick Williams is going to be there. And uh, There was a kickoff event this morning at the Reds Hall of Fame where all the buses kind of get together and, and talk, and then they head out. But the general theme is, and I've been talking to Brian Price and Adam Duvall and a couple others, is you know, they, they've spoken a lot about re- rebuilding and patience and all these young guys that are on the way, well, now the Reds kind of feel like they're here. And now that they're healthy and guys like Homer Bailey, Anthony DiScofani, and Brandon Finnegan are back and had a healthy offseason, they expect them and some of the younger guys like Amir Garrett, Luis Castillo, Sal Romano, Robert Stevenson, and more, and now Nick Senzel and Jesse Winker to be joining them, that, that the time is, is now to see improvement. They're not, they're not asking for patience anymore. They're, expected, they're asking for accountability. And uh, Brian was very big on that, that they expect progress. And, and Bob Castellini, the CEO, more or less said they're cautiously optimistic this year, which means he's also expecting improvement. So I, I, I think that's the theme that they're going to carry out throughout the trip. Uh, I did talk to Senzel before he left. I won't be able to visit his leg. He's doing the east leg. But he's talking about already being in Arizona and preparing for uh, the, the changes of positions he's going to be experiencing. He's a third baseman by trade, but he's going to get looked at second base shortstop in the corner outfield. He's been working out already at second base these last two weeks. He 
He spent time taking uh, balls in the outfield in Tennessee during his offseason. And I think you're going to hear a lot more stories about what guys have done to prepare and get ready for, for spring training, which is just around the corner. Yeah, hard to believe. And uh, I think in many people's eyes, uh, the Reds are in uh, baseball's second-best division behind only the NL West, which had three playoff teams in 2017. But to keep up with the, the Cubs and the Cardinals and the up-and-coming Brewers, uh, it's going to take a lot uh, for this very young Reds team to, to kind of hang in there. But like you said, uh, you know, they've got the pieces in place. They've got health, hopefully, knock on wood, on their side. And maybe the Reds surprise some people here in 2018. Uh, time will tell, as is always the case. Mark Sheldon, uh, safe travels. Uh, have fun at the Reds Caravan. I'm sure it's something we'll discuss next week. In the meantime, Matt Waymeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras, Cincinnati Reds. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.